first, a word about the Field and Garden Podcast. The Field and Garden Podcast is a part of the Gardener's Workshop. The Gardener's Workshop has been telling the stories and how-tos of growing, selling, and helping others to pursue their flower-growing dreams for over 25 years. What began as one gardening enthusiast sharing her passion has grown into so much more. Over at thegardenersworkshop.com, find in print with our blogs and books and through our podcasts and videos and courses, and we have a shop full of the same tools, seeds, and supplies that you hear mentioned on our podcast. You can connect with all of these resources over at thegardenersworkshop.com. I hope you'll take some time to explore all we have for you. Welcome to the Field and Garden Podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to another Field and Garden Podcast. It is your host and friend, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and I really am glad you have dropped in. So this is a podcast by a flower farmer for kind of all things flowers. It's flowers and everything connected. Flower farming and beyond. I've been sitting here trying to think what would describe what my mission is to help encourage, inspire, maybe open a door for somebody to walk through that thought that they could never walk through that door, right? Don't limit yourself, friends. Um, Flower farming is at the root of everything that I do. That's where it started, was getting in the ditches, doing it, doing it for, well, gosh, this is my 25th year. I actually stopped selling three, this is the third year that I haven't sold. So three years ago, we moved to a a growing for education, um, for charity, for um, still growing. Not quite as much, but I will tell you um, that. So this, I'm recording this a few days after Mother's Day in 2023. And we just had such a great time gifting over a hundred bouquets. Um, Susie and Kelly and I, um, I, Bobo and I harvested on Thursday. We did our live show on Friday at noon, you know, that shows our harvest. Um, and then we tore down the show set up and we went to work actually, um, and made a hundred speed bouquets and were able to share them with a local retirement community as well as um, the local um, private school that's attached to my church, which um, it was also Teacher Appreciation Week, and they have about 25 staff members there. So we were able to take all of them bouquets. And friends, it was exhausting, but it was the most satisfying. It it was better than getting paid for those bouquets. We got paid tenfold. And anyway, you just never know where flower farming is going to lead you. And what I wanted to talk about this morning, 
I'm thinking about all kinds of things now that we're coming down. We're winding up my latest book, which will be coming out in February of 2024. And I just again, had forgotten how much of my mind and my days were consumed with doing that book. And I'm actually having a minute to stop and think, right? And so I was thinking about my friend, Dave Dowling, um, who is, he and I are always oftentimes involved in projects together. And we're getting ready to be involved in one. And I was thinking about, isn't it funny that when we, when I refer to myself as to what I'm doing, what I do, I often say I'm a flower farmer. Well, when you ask Dave Dowling that question, he most often, in my experience with him, says cut flower grower. And I think that he uses the cut flower grower because he's, he's a guy that's all about business, right? You know, I mean, that in his mind is what the career is versus me. And I think so many of us fall into this categorized category is that I call myself and refer to it as flower farming or flower farmer. Because even after 25 years, y'all of being hot and dirty and just dragging myself into the house so often from exhaustion, I still romanticize this career. It is still such a dream to me, such an incredible opportunity. And, you know, when you couple that I kind of just fell into gardening and then, you know, I mean, door after door just opened, I feel like I was ushered to this spot. Um, And I just, think how grateful I am for all of that. So what do you call yourself? Are you an all business cut flower grower? Or do you lean to the romanticized side of this as a flower farmer? So while you're thinking about that, um, I was, that led me to think, what a story this whole time in history might be someday. Can you imagine, um, you know, telling this story or storyline to your grandkids or to whoever, um, and sharing not just what happened, but, but what the fallout is by this movement of domestic cut flower growing coming back. And so what I mean when I say domestic cut flower growing is that means local. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Whatever is within, whatever your mileage is, um, you know, our good friend Ellen Frost of Local Color Flowers, the design studio in Baltimore, Maryland, that um, isn't like a regular brick-and-mortar florist. It's a studio that's got very limited hours, but they do lots of other activities. And she only buys from local farmers, and she's done that for over 15 years. Um, Anyway, her, she and Eric, that's her husband who's in business with her, they set the limits of 100 miles. They only use flowers 
um, in their business that is grown within a hundred miles of Baltimore, Maryland. Now, if you're not familiar, Baltimore, Maryland, I believe is zone six winter hardiness zone, which means it gets blistery cold and they have a long winter. I mean, they, they wear toboggans a good time, a good portion of winter. So what I'm just saying to you is um, that it definitely can be done. Um, so telling this story of not just flower farming, but what that actually means, right? I mean... I think in my own little world, you know, zero. So first, you know, think about the big picture. Think of what your country is um, and think about how many people are growing cut flowers now to sell them versus what may have been happening just 25 or 30 years ago and the impact that that has. And then zero down on your little grow area, farm, backyard, whatever it is that you have, community garden, um, and think of the impact. And when I do that for myself, and I think of my little two and three quarter acres that has four buildings on it, five actually, including my home, and the impact on the environment that I have in a positive way that I have worked towards and what a gift that is to everyone that surrounds you, you know, restoring nature. Um, it's one of the things that people often say when they come here is, oh my gosh, I've never heard so many birds and I don't even hear them anymore, right? I, I'm so used to it, right? That I just, I hear the birds, but that is just such an amazing piece of our story is not just the beautiful flowers that we're producing in whatever way we're producing them for whoever, you know, whatever market that can be. When we try to do that in a positive way for the environment, which for us means we use absolutely no pesticides, organic or otherwise, um, and we just try to practice, we try to give nature a hand so that she can kind of take care of her own business, even though sometimes she can't because of the intense way that we grow. So I tend to try to not do that quite so much. Um, but that's for another day. But what a positive impact that we have. So what I'm trying to get at here is that while flower farming is a very romantic, romanticized story and opportunity, it is. it just gets better, y'all. The more that we kind of drill down on what our story is and what it may sound like um, with you telling your grandkids. Um, you know, when I first started flower farming, I was on the very beginning of the ripple of the wave of where, you know, Lynn Bozinski, the 
author of The Flower Farmer and the founder of Growing for Market, the um, newsletter for farmers by farmers, because she was a journalist by trade and married a farmer, I think is how that all kind of came to pass. But we just um, have such a rich opportunity and story, and our story goes so much deeper than we think, because think about this. Think about, and this is true for me also, this is reconnecting, flower farming, people plunging in, gardeners gone wild, as I often call them, plunging into flower farming, starting to dabble, gets more serious. You know, we lose a lot of people in the dabbling stage. A, they find that it's not for them. Um, most often it's because they just kind of start growing a lot of flowers and haven't done any of the other groundwork, right? They don't even think about who am I selling them to? How do you do that? What's the business part of this? How can I do it for a profit? Um, we, we kind of lose them at that stage. But when we start doing this, I know in my case, it totally reconnected me and a whole bunch of other people back, as they say, to the land. I never even thought about what was going on outside in in a yard or a garden. You aren't aware. You don't think about it. You don't even, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, that is perhaps, (laughs) that just makes me think so much of back when we were in high production and I can remember my cousin Grace was here, my sister um, Suzanne and my niece Kelly, along with Bobo and a couple other as we called them, outsiders, people that weren't blood-related to us, um, out in the field, you know, we're harvesting for all we're worth. Maybe rain's coming or whatever. And I get all tied up over in my patch of where I'm cutting because all of a sudden I've seen nature in action, whether it's an assassin, assassin bug stalking a stink bug and piercing him with his his little sword, as I call it. And, um, you know, I mean, it's like I'm over there videotaping it, right? And I can just remember my sister yelling over to me because she's noticed I'm not walking back and forth to the harvest trailer, right? You know, are we like cutting flowers here today or are you doing a nature show? What in the world is going on? Because nothing was further away from me and my radar than nature in action. And I think so many people talk about nature, but they still have no idea. Um, We have no idea what is actually going on out there. So getting back to the land for me is just like stopping long enough to actually witness what is actually going on out there, particularly once you stop using stuff, pesticides, and practices that actually hinder, kill, and maim them, you know? Um, And I also think of the stories that could be told of the opportunities for those that maybe thought they were without an opportunity. And I am that poster child too, y'all. I mean, I was barely a gardener 
we live in the middle of the city. Back then, we our whole property was less than one point, um, one and a quarter acres less than that. It was 1.17, a number ingrained in my brain. And I can remember after I started down this dream, pursuing my dream of flower farm, and after I read Lynn's book, of thinking, how big of a garden could I have here? Because remember, Stevie, and when I married him, he was a big vegetable garden gardener, and his family had kind of used up as much of this space to have vegetable gardens because they grew primarily um, corn, beans, tomatoes, and squash with a couple other things thrown up because they did it thrown in. They um, did a lot of freezing and canning, which I became a part of. But I then took that to new levels. But anyway, who would have ever dreamed? I mean, I didn't even let myself. I can remember reading Lynn's book and thinking, oh my gosh, that would be so amazing to do that. But I could never do that. I don't have a greenhouse. I don't have a tractor. You know, I'm in the middle of the city. I don't even know how to start a seed, barely, right? Um, I mean, I had all these problems. Um, I didn't really think that it was an opportunity for me, but because of encouragement and doors opening one after the other, I was literally ushered straight in. And, you know, I really want to say where there is a will, there's a way. But what a great story. What an inspiring story to pass on. So not only are we restoring nature perhaps in your environment, um, I am literally an oasis in a sea of houses. So I'm restoring nature there and really helping to reconnect um, people to nature. Um, you know, I love we, we try to have an open farm once a year, which typically is in late June. Um, we have that one day of the year when people are invited to come here. And it's not that my farm is big and so amazing, but to have this little spot of the way it was, perhaps, in today's developed crazy world, is really, really special to us. And I know that it's special to other people. Um, and, you know, I um so down that little rabbit hole, we've been having work done here at our house, which means there's a lot of people coming and going here from our house um, day after day, right? Watching us work. Um, it's just so very interesting. Um, we had a tree people here a couple weeks ago, one of our 100-foot gum trees. Most people hate gumball trees because of all the gumballs they drop, but little do people know. Those gumballs, y'all, are full of seeds for songbirds like chickadees. Anyway, our tree just croaked. I mean, I'm sure it's been declining for a while, but it literally did not leaf out this spring um, and was like right next to one of our buildings. So we had the top um, two-thirds removed to leave the trunk in one vertical um, limb for the wildlife. It's dead as a doorknob. Um, but anyway, while the guys were here doing the job, 
Bobo and I were harvesting, and Bobo was actually planting, I think, and I was harvesting. And two of the guys walked over to us and said, what exactly is it that y'all do here? Y'all are the hardest working people (laughs) we've ever seen. I mean, these are from guys that really work hard also. And I said, oh, well, well, what do we do here? Let's see. We grow flowers. We sold them for many years, but now we grow them for education purposes um, and help other people to learn how to grow flowers, basically. And they were like, that is just the coolest thing ever. And that's what we hear from people, right? That's what people, when I let them into my little world, um, and even funner than that is the contractors that come and spend a full day here and come back day after day, where the first day they kind of leave for lunch, the next few days while they're here, they end up bringing their lunch and sitting in the backyard. And there's not a lot of talking going on. They often are, I mean, just being in the moment, right? So the opportunities, the stories that are being planted. And I just never thought, dreamed of, can't even say that I had this planned, of being one little tiny speck of this huge picture of this worthwhile work. And, oh my goodness, you know, it's just so, such a gift, y'all. And um, again, another contractor story. So one of the the um, contractors that was here the week before Mother's Day, I had planned on Friday to give everybody that was here a bouquet to take home for Mother's Day, right? Well, one of them um, actually left bef- long before he was supposed to. He got called away, and I didn't notice he was leaving. I was busy. So he didn't get a bouquet. So Monday, the day after Mother's Day, which you know is the black eye day, right? It's like if you, for some reason, didn't give a bouquet on Mother's Day, you were in the doghouse, right? So he was here working by himself, and um, I still can't believe that I had a ton of flowers that needed to be harvested on Monday, even though I felt like I had pretty much cut the garden pretty clean, because, you know, y'all, my garden's not that big anymore. How many flowers we had last week just blew my mind. And again, yesterday, there were flowers to be cut, plus Susie Q, my sister, and I did a little photo shoot here um, last evening at the Golden Hour for the book with some flowers that we were about to lose. So I cut probably 12 buckets of flowers yesterday. And as he was here working alone, I thought, you know what, I should just, he didn't know that he missed the bouquet. I hadn't mentioned it to him. So I said, hey, you know, let me know before you leave today. I'll send you home with a bouquet of posies for your, um, you know, whoever, your mom or your wife. I'm not even sure if he was married or whatever. And he said, oh, wow, that would be great. Thank you. And um, so I then did the harvest. And I put together, I mean, first off, y'all, I am so amazed how quickly I can put together a bouquet. You just don't know how I used to struggle back in the beginning. I mean, once I started following um, Suzanne's rule that she teaches us, 
in flower farming school, it's like all flowers go together. You know, once you kind of get the concept down, you can put any flowers together. Anyway, I went out to the building and thought, I'm just going to build his bouquet and give put it in the house where he's working so he doesn't forget it. And I may, I mean, it was the, you know, pro-cut gold light, um, a peach sunflower, some lavender, beautiful campanula, some of that blue cloud larkspur. Oh my goodness, just some of the prettiest little, I mean, angel dust kind of flowers, right? So I put together this bouquet and I brought it into him and he was speechless. He was speechless. He said, I've never seen anything like this. And he's a young man. He said, oh my gosh, I've just never seen anything like this. This is so beautiful. And friends, that's what our locally grown flowers do to people. You know, that his response reminded me of when I used to pull into the flower shops that I sold to for 20-some years. I mean, year after year, week after week, they're, they're familiar with my flowers, but they were still stunned every week over the beauty, the freshness, the quality um, of the work that we do. So friends, you know, do you get asked, what do you do? What is your story and what, um, what is your story? Your story is deeper than what you think. What is it, the fallout, the good fallout, the bad fallout? You know, whether you call yourself a flower farmer, a romantic, or a cut flower grower, all about the business for Dave, and I'm sure Dave is... I'm sure Dave has that level of um, romanticized the position some because he was, I mean, quite a undertaking his 20 years of selling year-round at Farmer's Market in DuPont Circle in D.C. What a, I mean, what a story he has. How many stories we all have stories. It doesn't matter when you realize the fallout of what it is that we do. So what is your story? And who does it affect? Just a little food for thought. So friends, glad to drop in here today and do a little reflection and if you are enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to drop a review. Let other people know because the more reviews the podcast gets, that makes the podcast apps show the podcast to more people. And that is what I appreciate the most um, is you just saying, yes, I'm enjoying and I'm listening to it. And if you want to learn more about the work of the Gardener's Workshop and those deeper stories, head on over to thegardenersworkshop.com, which is full of our online garden shop where you'll find the tools, seeds, supplies, and my books. 
um, as well as a library full of our online courses, including Flower Farming School Online, The Basics, Annual Crops Marketing, and more, my school that is now available. Um, and friends, I would love to help you pursue your dream of flower farming or cut flower growing, whichever your pleasure is in your business. Till we meet again, friends. Ciao. Friends, I want to share another super sweet card that actually came in from one of our followers and students. These are the kind of things that just drive me. It's from Carissa, and she says, Dear Lisa, when I first read Cool Flowers last summer, I knew it was a book I must procure since it was then out of stock. I tried talking the library into selling me their copy. They declined. I was thrilled when my mom was able to get a copy when the gardener's workshop got them back in stock. What a helpful, beautiful book. This spring, I've been enjoying the Seed Talk YouTube episodes, and I was personally blessed by the recent Field and Garden episode about the battle of the head versus the heart. Wise words and a needed reminder for Wisconsin gardeners as we just got another foot of snow last weekend. The daffodils are only half an inch tall. Thank you so much for sharing your seed starting flower farming life journey wisdom. May God bless you with a beautiful Easter. Y'all, knowing that all of the effort that we go to here at the Gardener's Workshop is helping people is what keeps us going. Thank you so much for Carissa, and I hope that this encourages others also. Mm-hmm.